Hello, this is Pastor Paul, and I'm an associate pastor at Living Word Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to say thank you for joining us today, because I know the word from Pastor Doug will minister to your spirit, and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the word. Enjoy today's message. Appreciate you being in house today. If you're newer to the church and you've not seen the food basket thing, I encourage you go out and see us as deliveries are taking place. I think that probably there can still be help in deliveries. Somebody's probably got too long a list where it might be five or six o'clock before somebody gets their goodies. And if you want to help with that, see see Miss Val and others out there that are are coordinating and working through things. I think did I hear right, Deb? Are you out there after service too? Are you out there after service helping too? I heard that right. So you could see Deb too. I'm asking for help on deliveries if we need a little extra help. Well, today we're, we're, there, there's something very much on God's heart that I want to convey. Is all of this, everything that we do, is because he first loved us? That's what we're celebrating in this season. We didn't have to do anything right. We didn't have to get God's attention. This was before ever any of us were born. He determined in his heart, he loved us so much to send Jesus, his son, his most beloved, the prince of heaven, to make a difference for us. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. Something that I, I want you to consider a renewal on is God's love toward you because it's constant, but when we stop receiving it the way he intends... We have to experience a renewal. I, I believe in, in the, the coming year, one of the things that is on God's heart is that we each experience a renewal in our love with him. It's not just our love for him. There's another side of that that is far greater than we can express. It's his love toward us. There's nothing he wouldn't do for his children. I want you to think about what it is to have your kids and think of the most aggravating thing they've ever done and how quickly you moved past it just because you wanted to make sure they knew you really loved them. And they might misinterpret discipline or correction as something other than love when you want to convey it's part of it. I'm not suggesting God's looking for a big discipline in our future. He is looking for greater interaction where we trust him more. And trusting him with more is going to be a way of life until the rapture occurs. He said the world's going to continue to kind of go an ugly path. But our life is, is to be filled more and more with light. Our life is supposed to have more interaction with him. And I'm going to say it this way. Our future requires it. For us to have security in God the way we're supposed to. We're going to want to increase our interaction. It, it, it's kind of like this. If, if, if you've been a kid that ever got in trouble, the, the way you know you're clear of the trouble is you increase interaction wherever there was a friction. And if it's the dad in the family bringing correction, usually the, the kids, they, I mean, they might shy away from dad and hedge into mom because mom will be a little gentler about it. But if mom is wise, she'll point back, do you need to reconcile with your father and point him back why? Uh, dealing with the dad who's had to bring discipline allows us to deal with the dad that will also convey love. 
And it's always on the heart of the dad to take that next step and make sure that that truth is conveyed. I love you unconditionally. That's why we just had the conversation we had. That's why we just had the interaction that we had. Understand God is looking for us to accept his interaction. His interaction is going to be first about direction so that he never has to bring correction. And as kids get older, they're taught that. All of us do that with our kids. You know, if you just follow the, the, the things I've put before you and do them, you'll not get in trouble again ever, Mom. Well, I won't say never. Why? Because there may be new direction that comes that has to be learned as part of the package of taking responsibility. What God loves about his children, he says that he will, he will correct the son that he loves, but that is simply so that we'll learn to listen to his direction and it'll become a component of our life to look to God, to give us some things to know about, to lead our path and lead our way. In a darker and darker world, we're going to need more interaction with him. That is a, a matter of understanding. His love is waiting for us to pay attention. His love is waiting for us to look for what he's giving. I think sometimes we think our, our walk with God is, oh, well, he's going to keep me in line. That's the last thing he wants to have to do, but he will do it if that's all there is to the relationship. And if that's all there is to the relationship, it's because that's all we've learned to look for is correction. And what he would rather do is pave our way with, with his words of knowledge and words of wisdom for our future so that we stay away from the troublemaker, the enemy. That's how his love works. So today we're talking about his love a little bit from John 3. I'm doing that intentionally because I, I, I think always, what do I want to say for Christmas season and Christmas messages because I use them differently than it's, it's not strategic just to tell the Christmas story. We will do that Wednesday night in, in communion service. We'll, we'll be doing that in that service. But as we close one year, if you understand spiritual things and what the Bible says, as we close one season and prepare to open the next, the opening will only be as good as the closing of one season allowed the opening to be. It's kind of like right now the farmers are paying attention to precipitation, even though there's nothing growing in the field but a little bit of moss and a few weeds that haven't died yet. Because they know this is the season that the earth is preparing for an abundance. And something's to be happening in this season as this season closes out that gives them greater vision and hope for the next season. This earth, God put in place in this earth the law of sowing and reaping, and it ties to our spiritual life. Jesus said it was the most important parable in the Bible, and if that we understand that story, we will understand the concept of how his kingdom works in our lives, and we will understand all the rest of the parables. We'll get revelation. So we need to understand as we close one season, I'm, I'm aware of words God gave me, he wants us to take care of our business with him. And what that really means is have a conversation. Have you ever not seen a, a friend for a while and when you see them, you're working to get caught up and you find yourself thinking and maybe saying, I didn't know all that went on with you. That's the kind of conversation God's wanting to have. I think this year's been so reactionary, trying to just 
keep up with all the changes and shifts and junk, <laughs> that, that we get off track a little bit with going to God, recognizing he's got a waiting list of what he wants to do in our life. And we're caught in what we think we need. And he's looking beyond that saying, no, if you knew what was coming, you'd be talking to me about this. That's what I mean by taking care of our business with him. Well, we're, we're, we're in John 3, beginning in verse 3 today, because if we respond to God's love, I, I think of it this way, it keeps opening a great door. Scripture calls it a great and effectual door that God puts in front of us through our relationship with Jesus. That word effectual, the way we would think of it, is effective in everything. That means if we approach the Lord Jesus knowing that he's loving us, he has an effective way to deal with anything we're dragging up to the door. Anything that we have need that he get involved in to help us resolve, and I'll say it this way, rather than he would rather us come to him with many things than wait until we have the big bomb that we think we need to bring to God. He doesn't want us to try to live life by ourselves he wants us to come to him with anything and everything that matters. He is that effectual toward you. He's got your number more than you realize. That's coming from the heart of God today. That's what he's thinking as this year comes to a close. Most, I think, have worked on day-to-day -day and get the basics done and try to guard against problems in the future rather than look ahead through the eye of faith, knowing God loves us and he's got more in mind than getting by or just getting things done because that's who he is. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a, a ruler among the Jews is how scripture calls it. In other words, he knew a lot of scripture. He did a lot of things right and he was seeking out Jesus by night secretly because he was afraid he would get in trouble at synagogue for seeking out Jesus who was viewed by many as still this radical guy that had a connection to God that they didn't understand. But Nicodemus saw something. Nicodemus saw the love of God at work and Nicodemus was pressing in recognizing there's something going on here that is very much like the God I know because Nicodemus knew God from an Old Testament perspective. And he knew God loved and cared about people and was constantly doing for people. And he saw Jesus doing a lot of things to help people. So it got his attention. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus didn't know what he was looking for, but he wanted his eyes open to see the kingdom of God. He wanted his eyes open to understand what it was that Jesus was up to. He saw something in Jesus he wanted to be like, and he couldn't measure up, but he wanted to. And he was pressing in, and Jesus gave him a startling answer to his first inquiry. He said, unless you're born again, you cannot perceive the kingdom of God. So we know it all starts there. We, we know and celebrate that. But today I, I'm going to create an opportunity at the end of service because I never know if everybody's born again when, when people start coming into church. I never know if everybody's walking the way that they want to or should. And that's the first place of our business with God if we're going to take care of business with God is to keep it right and keep our, our confession of faith open with him. But, you know, that word see means that first we perceive and discern something. Nicodemus came to Jesus perceiving and discerning something is going on in him that I want to know about. 
When we first hear something from, from God that grips our heart, it's kind of like that. We recognize there's something of value in what we have just heard. And that's the key and most important work of the Holy Spirit that never stops in our life. To be able to perceive when we hear something of the Lord Jesus that it captures our attention. To have our ears tuned in to find out what is that. Sometimes we base it on our need instead of God's desire. That's why I talked about that so much this morning. God's got something he wants to convey that is his desire that is way beyond our need. Something that he wants us to know for, for one thing, a sense of security. A sense that he's got us in this earth no matter what happens to the earth or in the earth, we're in his kingdom. And Nicodemus was looking for a truth like that. Somehow he knew he wanted to be an exception from all the trouble. He wanted to be an exception from all the judgment that was happening in the Old Testament church. He wanted to be uh, a part of God's kingdom in the earth, but he saw Rome ruling instead of God having his way. And it's much like the, the times that we're living in where there were powers that be that were competing. And Nicodemus was saying, I just want to know what's real. I just want to know the real deal. What is it? And that's why he was coming to Jesus. And Jesus is telling him, if you want to know those things, you must be born again. Because seeing goes into then discovering and ascertaining. I mean, there's a discovery in it where you get encouraged and, and motivated enough to show up to hear what does the Bible say. You get further motivated to hear it and think about it. Think, I need to get a hold of this. For me, that's what the word ascertain means. Then after all of that, there's another key word that is on God's heart for this year, more than any of the rest of the meaning, to experience him. I found again and again and again, God's heart toward me has been to give me the experience because he knows I will go discern and ascertain and figure out what just happened to me when he does something good for me. He's not the kind of father that makes us learn all the information first and require us to be intellectually stimulated first or make a hundred right choices to get to his good. He wants to give us the experience that will make us turn around and choose the good. Understand what kind of father he is. He's more benevolent than you and I ever thought about being because we always have a little bit of earn it before you get it in most everything that we're doing in training our kids. And he's saying, no, you get it because I earned it, Jesus earned it, and then you're going to follow me in appreciation. That's different. Now, what would we call that today? That's more what grandparents do. They spoil the grandkids. God acts more like that. That's more his heart. Why? Jesus came to save us, and that work is done, and we identify with him. So he's out to give you the experience so that you will dig into who he is and perceive his love for you. Why? Otherwise, we think we're, we've got something to earn that we can never earn. You will not ever be good enough at anything to earn God's attention or his affection. You had his attention and affection from the beginning of time. That's why Jesus came. So we're not in it to earn anything. We're in it to experience his love and then go back and find out, so this is how God so loved me when he sent Jesus. 
that he would override my behavior because I'm part of his family. Now, parents do that sometimes. You go to correct somebody else's kid when you catch a parent in the wrong mood for that, and they're going to let you know what they think about you telling their kid how to be right. Anybody ever? Yeah, most everybody's experienced that if you've got kids. How does that make you feel ferocious and defensive? And in that moment, your kid has never done anything wrong to deserve correction from an outside influence. Understand that's how your heavenly father is toward you. He wants to love you that way and everybody else just kind of keep quiet. That's why we're told in the scripture, don't judge each other, judge ourselves. Why? He knows how to take care of business the heavenly father's way. And if we're not careful, we usurp his judgment by thinking we've got to interject concerning his other kids. He wants an individual one-on-one -on -one, love us so much that when correction comes, we go, okay, dad, okay, dad. Now, if ever you've experienced the argumentative child, when they've learned and they start saying, okay, dad, it's a good thing, isn't it? I saw you make the, the little parental eye exchange like, oh, that has happened before. If you've had a teenager, it's probably happened before, except you probably never did it, right? No, he, Nathan never did it. All right, we'll ask mom and dad about that. We'll, we'll ask for testimonies later. We respond, we're geared to respond to God again and again. But when we have not had fellowship with him the way we know we should have, we hesitate to engage him until we almost have to. When he's, he's, he's all but, think of it this way, he's all but begging for us to just say, Jesus, I, I need time with you. I want to talk to you. And understand how, how much that means as a parent to hear that. But think of it, he's the parent never too busy for us. But how meaningful it is when our kids come to us and we've been really busy and they press in for attention. There's not a turning away. We might say, wait a minute, let me get off the phone first or whatever I'm doing. But we go back and fix that. Why the interaction, the request is precious. And it means there's about to be a moment of influence that's going to count forever. Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can a man be born again when he is old? And Jesus answered, I'm telling you the truth, except a man be born of water and born of the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. He uses another word now. First is you couldn't see it. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something about salvation. If you don't keep going to Jesus, you'll quit seeing the blessing of God in your future. What happens is we become blinded to his love and we be, our eyes become open to judgment. And we attribute judgment to God that God isn't even doing. When something bad happens, we think, oh, well, I deserved this. No, God's child didn't deserve it. Why, Jesus took the deserving of what was wrong because we did something bad. He took it on the cross. So we have to get over the idea that when we don't behave right, we deserve, the, 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 the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not coming from God. When we've done wrong, we deserve forgiveness when we ask for it. We've got to go to the one who has the power to forgive. That's a matter of knowing how much he loves us and not hesitating to do that. Now, 
He said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you that you must be born again. When I, I talk to people who are non-believers, I tell them that's the key to everything. Whenever someone expresses to me, I hear what you're saying when I'm talking to somebody who's never been born again. When they tell me the one phrase, I hear what you're saying, and they usually say preacher because I get a little preachy sometimes. When they say that to me, that's my chance to, to point out, okay, I've got your attention now. Let me tell you what Jesus wants to do for you. Why we get somebody's attention. Understand how Jesus does this again and again and again. The way God sees something gone wrong in our life is his opportunity for interaction to show us his love again. He's not thinking about what happened, why did it happen to us. Whenever anybody gets in a crisis in the church and they call for prayer, I don't ask him, how did you get in such a bad shape? What did you do? You know, he, you know and sometimes they want to tell me, uh, you know, I got chewed up by the combine or whatever happened to him, but I'm not asking him, okay, what dumb thing did you do to get chewed up by? Uh, that's not what's important. What's important is have you got help? Are you doing okay? Are you, do you feel like you're recovering and how can I pray for you or help you? Understand that's always God. God's looking to the resolution Knowing if he can fix the problem together with us, we will go back and deal with whatever dumb thing we did. Why? We learn by what pleases God what behaviors we have done that were not pleasing. So we almost have to think of it in opposite to how we respond and react. You know, when kids do something wrong, oh, I've got to correct that. The best thing is direct right as much as you can. And you have to correct less. It doesn't mean there's never correction. But it means the heart of every parent, the heart of our Heavenly Father is give us the good experience so we'll want to know more how to stay in that in our life. That's what happens when we're born again. We didn't deserve it, but we have the good experience that makes us feel fresh and hopeful. And then the next time we fail somehow, we know God's there waiting for us to turn to him again and experience that washing again. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. But that word enters a whole different word that is incredibly important to our future. Here it means to arise. It means we respond to something that's happening. To enter into the kingdom of God, we, we arise and we come into new life. It's a picture of what Jesus did when he got up in the grave and the grave clothes came off the gravestone rolled back and he came out. He came out into a new life, but he had to get up first. He had to make a move. Faith in our lives requires that we make some kind of move, that we are conscious. I am getting up and I am leaving what's dead behind and I'm coming forward into new life. That's how we respond to his love. When we get in a, a, a quandary or a quagmire spiritually and we're not moving ahead, it's easy to oh, point to the devil. The devil gets blamed for stuff he didn't have anything to do with. We just didn't take right action. And what happens when we don't take right action? If he can then get in through an open door, he will. But many times we've just been hesitant to do what we're supposed to do. Whenever we hear scripture preached, we're supposed to respond this way, get up and leave something behind and move forward into the new. 
that's one aspect of coming out of this year that you want to understand. There's a lot to leave behind in this past year as far as I'm concerned. I want a lot of things to be different in the new year. So I am praying and saying over our church and over, over my life and my family every day, I'm leaving what's dead and old and gone behind, everything that that represents and everything that is, and I'm coming forward into new light. And understand something, when Jesus came out of the grave, uh, yes, I believe he was glowing because it says that they saw the glow on him in the garden, the glory of God. But understand, it was so bright around him, the humanity in him was probably squinting, wondering, how do I take my first few steps? Understand when we arise and come into something new God has, we're going to feel a little bit like that. Scripture says we will literally reach forward and, and try to feel our way into the new. Understand there's an element of that to come into what God has for your future. There's an element of feeling like I've got to feel after God is literally what it means. Like, where are you? If I'm going to feel after Chad, I know he's there. I saw when he walked up here, I've been thinking all day, how can I mess with him a little bit? And we, we, we joke back and forth a little bit. If I'm going to feel after Chad like he's God, I'm, going to, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly seeing him because my eyes aren't tuned in. But when I feel that's his shoulder and I look and I step, yep, that's him. That's him. Now, that's how we reach out to receive his love in this coming season. Recognize the glory of God is something when you get used to it, you see into. But until you're used to it, you're like, what is up with this? For me to preach, it's going to be a great coming year. You'll not experience it unless you press into him that way and begin to pray and say, what is it you want to show me or tell me? One of the greatest things you can do as a child of God is go, go sit with him for a little while. Say, is there any wisdom you want to give me? Because he does. <laughs> is there anything that I can do for you? And he'll hesitate, but he'll show you something. But he wants to give you wisdom for the future. That's his love, always looking ahead on our behalf. To enter into the kingdom of God means to arise and come into new life. It doesn't mean to hear about it. It doesn't mean you have a whole lot of information. There's something about our culture I don't like as a preacher. There's a whole lot of information, and people value information as though it's truth, and it's just information. When it's God's truth, it causes you to do something to engage him in what I'm calling a rise. And when it's God's truth, it isn't just a bit of information, because if you're not careful, what you know about God will appease you, but you don't know him yet. When you begin to arise and walk into things, it's proof you are coming in, pressing in to know him, not just about him. When somebody comes to, to talk to me for the first time, they know about me, they've heard me talk, there's something that they want to engage me about, but they don't know me until there's been interaction. And when there's interaction, they can become comfortable with me. Usually when somebody presses in for a relationship at first, it's small talk. So let me see what this guy's really about. Let me see what this, this person, what their values are. And can I really talk to them about anything much? Do we have anything in common to talk about? And if we're not careful, that's how we keep approaching God. Because we go talking to him a little bit and we don't stop and listen. What's he have to say back? Because as much as I present who Jesus is, you'll only know about him from what I say. You will know him by hearing him and, and responding to him and interacting with him. That's what it means to arise and come into something new. 
I would tell you, every time you hear the word, there should be something new God has for you to come to that great and effectual door in Christ Jesus where he reveals himself to you, and it's life-changing. Did you know that's what the word of God is designed to always do? But if we don't go to him, that word is just a word. It's a promise, but we have to open the door, go to the door. Who's the keeper of the promise? That's what we've got to do. Now, we live by faith so that we can overcome our doubts. This is uh, verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to Jesus, How can these things be? And Jesus said to him, I have told you earthly things, and you don't believe me. How will you believe or put your trust in me if I tell you about heavenly things? He used the word believe because believe is putting trust in Jesus. We don't believe him, really, until we trust him. That's tested in, in the tithe. That's one of the things he says, test me here with, but we're really testing ourselves. Do I believe him? Do I trust him or do I not? When it comes to prayer for God to intervene with a, a, a healing in a medical situation, do we trust him or not? I always choose to trust him. Why? He came to prove that I could trust him by dying for me. He didn't have to do that. He didn't know me. I didn't do anything right. I didn't capture his attention because I was any way wonderful. The best thing in me wouldn't compare to the lowest thing in Christ. But he loved me anyway. That's love. All right? Now, what does that do? That should motivate us to choose to trust in him. Now, Jesus is our, our remedy for sin. Why am I walking through this? Because we need to get some things taken care of as we close out the year. Jesus is our remedy for sin. No man has ascended up to heaven. This is verse 13. Jesus having a conversation with Nicodemus, Nicodemus wanting to understand how to receive the love of God. He knew how to give love to God. He didn't know how to receive God's love. Except that he came down from heaven. Jesus is saying, if I didn't come from heaven, I can't ascend. He's pointing to his future. He's pointing to Nicodemus' future. Now, Jesus said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, be so lifted up. It's a picture of Jesus on the cross. Jesus knew that was coming. So whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's talking about something to come to Nicodemus, that Nicodemus could understand the love of God would be that great that he would give his life. Now, the serpent on the pole in the wilderness is because everybody in the camp was snake bit and they were going to die. That's a picture of our life in sin. It's a picture of every time we do something that is offensive to God, we need to turn to Jesus or we die in our sins. This should be you know, something that believers think about is I believe that the rapture could happen in the coming years. I, I've been studying quite a lot about it, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm, I'm not alive or at least the generation after me. That's just how I felt. But when I study the Word, there are a lot of things that are, are happening now that make me think I want to live ready all the time. The way to think about the snake on the pole in the wilderness, sometimes we, we just get away from God and we need to come back to Him. Sometimes we just don't trust him where we should have trusted him. When Moses put the serpent on the pole and lifted it up before the people, they had to look upon it to receive their healing. We have to recognize Jesus is doing that in our life in a New Testament way, saying, if you'll just look to me, I'll forgive you, I'll heal you, and we'll move on. 
Sometimes we lose energy, we lose zeal, we lose our excitement, we lose our, our motivation to serve the Lord Jesus and we recognize it. That's when you look to the snake on the pole. You look to Jesus on the cross is a better way to think about it. Because something has bitten you and you didn't shake it off quick enough. Today's altar will be about that, number one. Because so many times we go through a difficult season and something bit us and we just keep going like we were. And very slowly something is working in us that changes our heart toward the Lord, changes how we feel. Many times we get snake bit by other people with venom that didn't know they were being used of the enemy. Ever had that happen? I've had that happen before where later they come back and say, I'm sorry, but you know, I've got an infected wound and they're, they're, they're sorry, and I'm sorry too. And, you know, I'd like to bite them back, but I don't, you know, the scripture says not to, or we were, we're aligned with the snake, you know, so we don't do that. But ever had a wound that hadn't healed? So you want to close that out as we close the year and come to Jesus who offers healing for that, no matter what caused it to happen. Sometimes we look back and it's just our own fault. We just allowed something to happen or we allowed there to be a separation or our, our love for Jesus isn't what it ought to be or used to be. Whenever that's happened, we need to go to him because he has the power to heal that right now. And getting the healing changes how we see the future now. God demonstrated a sacrificial love to set us up this way. Verse 16, and you know, I love this verse. It's probably the first verse I memorized in Sunday school. They told us, memorize Jesus wept as your first verse because it's only two words. But I don't think we got to do that. I think this was the first verse. God so loved the world that he gave. And teacher would say, now say, that's me. That means me. I remember saying, that means me, and not understanding what that meant. And teacher would talk and talk about what that meant. That was in the Methodist church, and I was about five. I remember that going on. Now, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's not just talking about heaven. He's talking about not perishing while we're here. Not perishing in a relationship that could have saved us from the snake bite that we're dealing with. In the wilderness, if they didn't turn to what God had provided as a way of salvation. They didn't look upon Moses holding the pole, holding the snake. They died anyway. Understand how you view Jesus changes everything about your future. It would be a hard thing for them to turn and look to the snake on the pole knowing they got snake bit because they were somehow disobedient to God. They were murmuring and complaining. That was the chief sin in the camp. And because of their murmuring and complaining, because they had had an ugly year, an ugly season in the wilderness, snakes came in and they got snake bit. But God in his love said, if I can just get your attention, let me save you from this. He wasn't saving them first from the snake bite, but from the snake. They got healed from the one bite, but the snakes then were driven out of the camp Understand until we experience his forgiveness and his healing that way, we're dealing with snakes. We've put ourselves in a position where because we allowed one bite to take, there will be more. 
And I've watched many, many Christians have an ugly situation occur for whatever reason. And it seems like around them comes more and more problems to take them away from God. It's because we didn't look back to Jesus when we needed to. Just to receive his love and then let him work what I call the chastisement of the heart. He'll work out the behavioral change with us after he heals us from the snake bite. That makes sense to you. All right. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. I'm so glad. Or we couldn't have church. Everybody would be condemned all the time. There wouldn't be anything I could say to change your mind about feeling condemned. That's what Nicodemus was going through. No matter how hard he tried to love God, he didn't feel the love of God because he didn't know how to receive it. Jesus came to give us a way to understand how to receive the love of God. That's what it means to be saved. We keep being loved by God. We keep putting ourselves in a position to receive what he desperately wants to give. Think of it, especially after he gave his only begotten son, how desperate he is that everybody get the benefit of looking to him to make things right every time we need to. We can live free from all condemnation. I know many quote Romans 8 as a confession of wanting to feel free of condemnation. And usually when we're having to look there to quote verses, it's because we're feeling condemnation. And Jesus wants us to live free of that. It's understanding his love is waiting to drive that away whenever we're feeling like we're, we're somehow condemned. He that believes on him is not condemned. This is still Jesus speaking in verse 18. But he that does not believe is determined to be judged as condemned already. In other words, when we hesitate believing, we're going to start feeling that way. We're going to start feeling separated from the love of God. We're going to begin to feel like we're, we're somehow marginalized. This has been a time, a season, and a, I remember announcing it as the whole, whole COVID thing came in, what the Holy Spirit said to me, that the enemy was out to divide every righteous relationship. Understand your, your, your best righteous relationship. It's you and the Lord Jesus. Whenever we suffer in the body of Christ, the enemy's out to see, can I get in here and break this group apart or break this family up or get in this person's mind and cause them to think spiritual things are just the extra thing I do over here to appease God instead of it's why I live, to please him. The enemy tries to get in and separate us from hearing the word or experiencing Christian fellowship or being able to get up in the morning without any cares trying to cave in. I think of all the, the times of isolation that people have had to spend this year. When COVID first began, I was, I was primary caregiver for my mother, and, and uh, one, one day she said, please help me with this and this and this, and it was a lot close-up, personal, uh, in-her-business kind of work, more, more than a daughter would do, but mom didn't have any daughters, so she calls on, on her, her sons. I got ready to leave that night, and she said she wasn't feeling real good. Would I pray with her? And I prayed with her, and other family members came in, and they were going to visit. And I took off home, and a couple hours later, in the middle of the night, got the phone call. Mom's down at Carl, and she just tested positive for COVID. I remember how that made me feel. I remember going into the, the two weeks of quarantine, and it was at the beginning. 
So the, 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 the county officials were calling me every day to make sure I stayed home, to make sure I behaved, to make sure I didn't have a fever. They wanted to know, know if, if I had any of these symptoms. I went through that routine twice a day, every day for two weeks. And I remember how that felt, not that it was inconvenient, but thinking I'm somehow maybe toxic to everybody else. And I've never forgotten it, and I will never forget it. Not because it's a benefit from COVID exposure. I didn't get sick. But I went through the separation of what it feels like to be separated from fellowship. Understand, to be experiencing God's love, much of it happens in settings like this, where we start to long to be together again. And I found that happening, and I understood something about Christian fellowship that I, I didn't understand before. It's a big part of God's plan for our well-being. It went through my mind, uh, uh, what if I'm the first one in the whole church to get sick? Won't that be embarrassing? Then I kind of threw that out the window. thought, well, if anybody was doing what I was just doing and doesn't get sick, that's a miracle. So I'm going to say this, it was a miracle. <laughs> All right? That's how I look back on it now. But I learned something that I want you to get from this season of isolation. We are meant to have a yearning for one another that mirrors our yearning for the Lord Jesus. We are meant to have a, a healing experience when we're together. That, that sometimes, sometimes we don't look to Jesus the way we should. And somebody might be talking to you, and I'm, I'm going I'm to tap Nathan for this. I'm talking to Nathan about something, and, and he's expressing something that he needs from the Lord, and he's just not figuring out how to get it. I, I reach down kind of help turn his head toward Jesus on the cross. Or think of it as the snake on the wall. I hear the result of a snake bite in him, so I'm, what am I going to I'm going to help him when we're together. Look unto Jesus. Why, well, he's the author of faith, but he wants to be the finisher. Today, as we open the altar, I want to point to Jesus as the finisher. I know that in this season, I'm using extra discipline. Say, yes, amen, amen. That means I'm getting done a little bit early so we can open up the altar. Everybody's got places to go. And God knows it. But I'm going to tell you something. The most significant thing we'll do in closing the year is make sure that we are loving him in a way that we can receive what he has to close out one season and open another season. I know the way of the Lord is when we, we seek his face in closure, he will open our eyes to the future. That's how he does things. Heavenly Father, I ask today in this house, you work the working of your Holy Spirit in every person today. Father, that we look to Jesus today in, in a renewed way with very open eyes and an open heart. As we love you, we know we're reaching out in love. You're reaching back to us with your love. And Father, there's going to be a sense of well-being and healing and joy that settles back in on every person in this congregation. Father, a sense of well-being, looking into the future to purpose fellowship in a greater way. Father, to interact with you more that we grow up in, in the interaction. Father, we can't afford to remain immature in our Christianity. We've got to grow up and grow up in a hurry. Father, I've heard many parents say it's like their kids have to grow up overnight. There's something about this world and the environment we're in requires us to come into a maturity and a full knowledge of who you are so we walk in close fellowship with you and we receive every good thing that you have in mind.
Father, as we look ahead, we call closure to the things that are behind and we come up and arise out of them and we're walking forward in a new kind of life, a newness of life that will be better. Father, I thank you that wherever there's been a snake bite, because I perceive that, that was the word your Holy Spirit said, wherever the snake got in, we rebuke the snake and the bite in Jesus' name and call for healing to come as we look to our Lord Jesus Christ to be the finisher of our faith. Father, thank you. This coming year will be a year of progress and growth and maturity in you. And Father, we'll have the things that we say. And we say now, we proclaim, it shall be good in every arena in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we prepare to go, I'm going to open the altar for ministry. I'm not going to get all up in anybody's face or do anything like that, and I'll put my mask back on. But I want to pray for anybody. When I talked about the snake bite, something triggered in you? If that's you, you just want to come to the altar and lay that down before the Lord, and that will be an act of looking to Jesus and, and, and a point of surrender. You know, our faith requires sometimes that we get up, we arise, and do something about it. That's what altar time is about. It's making a commitment to change that is between you and the Lord, and you, you can tell the person praying if you want to, but I'll tell you, you don't have to. You talk to the master, he's the finisher. He's the one that he, he wants to be all up in your business. Before you go, everybody, I want to point out the altar will be open. I know there will be a tangible anointing because the Holy Spirit said there would be. It'll be like the anti-venom is, venom is given from the Lord where nothing else has worked for you. That's what he said he would do today. So I'm just announcing what he said because that's his part. I've, I've shared my part. But as you go, you want to see what the love of God does. Be thinking about how to, to make a difference for somebody else. Be thinking what you might be able to do for somebody that's shut in around you that, that uh, hasn't had any, any joy in their life much lately or people without kids especially. I remember the story, and I'm going to tell this briefly because these people exist in your neighborhood. We had a neighbor, a little fellow with a little dog years ago in Gibson City. He'd come back and forth and walk his dog, and he lived a couple houses down, and you know, I was friendly and would say hello to him if I was outside or in the yard or something. He'd always speak back. We had a little exchange about little this, little that, little, little bit of much of nothing, really. But one day he came to our house and sought Lucinda and I out, rang the doorbell, and he wanted to talk to us about something important. He said, now I'm going away. I'm going away for a two-week trip. I've not taken a trip in a long, long time. I don't have any kids. I don't have any family. I really don't have anybody. You are my people. I want somebody to know if something happens to me where I am and that I belong in Gibson City. I want somebody to know where I'm going because I don't have anybody. It's astonishing to me. And I've learned to recognize people don't always have somebody. And I thought what little we interacted, I would have never thought we were anything but a friendly neighbor to him. But he looked to us as though we were family. And he said, I know you love God and you will pray. I share that because there's somebody around you like that that is looking to Jesus, but they don't know how. They don't know how to receive the love of God. I remember taking his hand and praying with him. I don't know that he'd held hands since he was young, if he ever did. I don't know if he ever had a girlfriend even. I don't know. I have no idea. But I remember he looked when I, I took his hand, how he looked at me. Recognize there's somebody like that. Jesus is waiting to love, and you're the connection. 
Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that Ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.